from Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 339. Today's show is brought to you by PDF Pen from Smile, StoryWorth, and Privacy. My name is Mike Hurley. I'm joined by Federico Vatici. Hi, Federico. Hello, Mike. How are you? Hello. I'm good. No Steven this week. Just the two of us. But he couldn't he couldn't depart uh the connected the connected heads, I guess is the name of our listeners, I suppose. Did we ever come up with anything? I don't think so. The connected audience. Couldn't leave them high and dry, so you will be hearing from Steven uh on, on a, in a couple of parts today. Basically the ads. He he, mm. he, he gave me all the ads, which was very nice of him to do. <laughs> So I'd have less work to do because obviously I'll be picking up the edit today. So if you find any mistakes in today's edit, just send uh, feedback to Stephen. Yes, <laughs> Say this do. is what happens. Look, when Stephen you told me. Stephen told me weeks ago. He uh-huh. told me, Federico, I gotta tell you something. Like this right. was a, like a private conversation. He said, "I really love getting feedback emails." Like he told me that. But the thing is, though, I actually think that's true. <laughs> I think that's really genuinely true that he likes getting feedback over email. We're feeding into this theory that yeah. Stephen loves feedback, and now everybody it's thinks theory. it's true. So, um, yeah, but like he told me, it's like I secretly love getting feedback emails from people. I was mm-hmm. like, really? I was like, yeah. It's like I love archiving them, organizing them in mailboxes, different folders and mm-hmm. tags. And all the things that Stephen does. He has a does. rating system that he gives Some the of them go into DevonThink. Four-star for... feedback. Yeah. I think if you want to contact uh, Stephen, you can go to relay.fm slash connected, and there is a, a, a button you can tap for sending an email, and uh, it will send it directly to him. I remember this was a conversation, I think, that we had very early on, because we have those links on the on some of the show pages. It's up to the host if they want to put an email address on there. Um, and I said to Stephen for this show, I think you can put it on there if you want to, but I don't want to get that email because <laughs> I don't like email for f- uh, feedback over email. I like feedback in other places. I like it on Twitter. I like it in discord uh, email. My email inbox is just full of just nightmare. Uh, most of the time I, I really don't want, want to have more in there. This is actually a thing in my in my actual marriage, my real relationship. I don't know why I said it like that. Actual marriage? That was a strange way of putting it. <laughs> An actual marriage. <laughs> not not my marriage with Stephen, my other one, uh, where Edina will suggest things to me or she'll want to send me an email and I'm like, don't do it. Don't you dare. Like This is a thing that we have where she's not allowed to send me things over email because I don't want more email than all the email I currently get. It's like, if you have something you want to send to me, send it to me over iMessage. That's perfect. Mm. And then I can deal with it. I don't want email. I get so much email. I don't want more email. Interesting. So you, you forbid her from sending you email. I don't like it the way you say it like that. But like you said in a very polite... So let's say you've said in a very polite way, please don't send me any more email. Correct. Mm. It's funny because I, I actually prefer the opposite with Sylvia. <laughs> You just no like, texts, only emails. <laughs> please, I'm like, please send me emails because then I know that because I don't know, I'm a very bad person when it comes to um, keeping up with texts mm-hmm. in general. And I, I don't know, I feel more efficient in using my email with that. And so often she's like, I, I gotta send you a link, right? And I'm like, can you please send it over email? Because then yes. I know that I will not lose it and that I can. 
Yeah. So this is why it's it's funny that we have the the exact opposite approach. Just yes. like, what do you want to eat for dinner tonight? Just email me. I can't. <laughs> no, I can't even I mean, think it's about not this. always like that. it's not always <laughs> like that. And and it's really so. I mean, we're already going off topic here. Yeah. So, uh, but whatever. So, what do you only use iMessage with Adina? Uh, or Instagram messages okay. like if if someone if we see something on instagram we'll send that to each other right right so it's, but, i think that's all, the only social network that we share like that we both visit because she doesn't really tweet and i don't go on facebook very much if actually i don't go on facebook this isn't like a one of those big statements i have a facebook account i just mm. i don't want there's nothing on there for me so like i, I don't right. even i realized recently i was like oh i haven't checked facebook in like forever and i tapped it and i was logged out which made me realize for as long as i've had my iphone 12 i have never logged into the facebook app and i'm fine with <laughs> I, that <laughs> i had a, i had a similar problem recently <laughs> i was talking to my mom on the phone and she was like oh by the way did you see you know that that photo that i posted yesterday on facebook um that that was not about you and i was like wait what it's like <laughs> first of all <laughs> what kind of way is that to start a conversation <laughs> well the bigger problem here so first of all i said first of all mom i haven't logged into facebook in like a month and mm-hmm. i have no idea what you're talking about second why are you saying this to me in a way that makes it sound like you've done something that I should be aware of? Well, it also makes it sound like it's definitely about you, right? The no, thing it's not is, about you. I then discovered I then discovered that my mom has become one of those people who posts um the I don't know how to describe them, but like on Facebook, I guess there's a way to create a picture that contains text. Yeah, I, I, and like yeah. people do that sometimes, especially boomers. I think they do that to post like passive-aggressive messages about other people. Yeah, you basically create very like low-rate memes, right? Yeah, I <laughs> guess it's what. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's what very it is. bad. And meme. my mom has become one of those people, right? <laughs> so that's the bigger problem at hand here. Um, <laughs> That's the real issue. We've gone off the rails from going off the rails. This started by you asking me if it's the only... Okay, we're going to get back to that? Getting back to that. Anyway, so my mom does that, and I was like... Then I checked out that picture. There was like a bunch of comments under... It's just like a whole thing, and I logged out of Facebook and whatever. In any case, you don't use WhatsApp, right? I... To, to the annoyance of basically everyone in my life, I do not use okay. WhatsApp. Okay. Because w- what I have found to be really beneficial uh, in my uh, keep, you know, having conversations with my, uh, you know, <laughs> with my girlfriend um, of 14 years, you would think that I, <laughs> that I gotten better at this over time, but nope. Um, is sending each other uh, audio messages. Right, I so, saw you write about this, yes. and I made a note about it because I wanted to talk to you about it. Yes, and uh, the thing is, it surprised me because, like, when I talked uh, ab- about this feature with John, it was like, nope, I'm, I've never sent one. So I kind of want to understand if is sending audio messages popular among WhatsApp users only? I think so, or European users only and i guess whatsapp is more popular in europe than yeah. america yeah no i i know people that do the 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 audio message thing mm. it's really convenient right because you mm-hmm. can like in 30 seconds first of all you don't have to type and i hate typing long messages on my phone 
Second, you can use your voice, and so you, you can convey more of the tone that you want to mm-hmm. use in whatever you're saying. But it doesn't have the pressure of a phone call, which I hate doing. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about this plenty of times here on the show before. It's basically um, your own personal clubhouse uh, it's, it, it, yeah, I guess if I were to explain <laughs> this to Americans, yes, imagine if Clubhouse was only for you, and then you you sent the Clubhouse to another person. And I need to jump in before we get all the feedback, which will... Well, actually, the feedback will just go to Stephen this week via email, so it's fine. Because but he loves it. We know... He, he just adores it. We know that you can send audio messages and iMessage. The point I was is, getting to that, and I was getting to that. It seems like nobody does. Nobody does, and you know why? Because the UI is horrible in iMessage for that. It's it's so stupid. Like, I think it's the kind of feature that somebody saw once. Like, I was on a trip to Europe this summer, and I saw a bunch of folks use audio messages. We got to copy this feature. Like, I don't know. Some, I guess at some point a couple of years ago, Craig Federighi went to the Amalfi Coast and mm-hmm. saw somebody send an audio <laughs> message and came back and was like, guys, we have to build audio messaging got into em. iMessage. Do it copy the feature and somebody did but it's like a bad copy of the whatsapp version holding down the button is weird but what's even stranger is listening back to the to the audio message in the messages app Uh, the play button sometimes it just doesn't work and it's super tiny there's no progress bar there's like a weird small waveform instead which has no purpose whatsoever and most of the time, you got to raise your phone to your ear to listen to the that. audio message. Yeah. Like, why? Why have you done it this way? So, why are we talking about this, Mike? Uh, we're, still, we're still in the how to send feedback uh, portion Aha. of the show. <laughs> cool. uh, I did just want to, before we finish, yeah, the, the, my lack of usage of WhatsApp is a bone of contention amongst my friends in the UK and my family because everyone talks about the fact they will reference it to me every now and then of like oh i only use iMessage with you (laughs) so like i i have a whatsapp group with um my younger brother and his wife and me and adina and then we have a all family group right that's in whatsapp but outside of that i do not use it just because I mean, for me, really, one of the main reasons that I use it and not iMessage and why, like, I've never tried to convince any of my American friends this is where they need to message me is the user interface of WhatsApp just just upsets me so much. It's one of the ugliest apps on my iPhone that somehow they've never done anything with. I really hate the the look of WhatsApp. It's not good, but I don't like it, but it feels faster to use than iMessage. I can see that. I can see that. It's a bunch of things. It's a bunch of tiny things, right? We're talking about, I guess, millisecond delays here. But like the way that in WhatsApp you can swipe on a message to reply to that message versus the double tapping and choosing reply in iMessage, the WhatsApp version is ever so slightly faster that, you know, it's, it's a bunch. WhatsApp is ugly, but it's got a bunch of those things that make conversations go by really easily. Whereas in iMessage, if you want to have a conversation in a group with a lot of back and forth between people, yeah. I mean, let's not even mention the threaded UI 
that they have oh. done. I like that <laughs> it exists, but the UI is so bad. Those, those lines, man. That's what? so bad. Woo! <laughs> 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 whenever, whenever I see them, that's what I think. You know, when have they you like, spin around? When, when, it, when it gets the knot, when it, get, yeah. when it does that, the little knot. That's what I'm saying, yeah. that sound. It's like, You know that, it, you know that it's getting serious when you, when you get the knot? Yeah. You know that it's... <laughs> If more people use that feature, that would be a meme, right? <laughs> just like that yeah. image is like, you know, things have gotten serious now. You know, things are going off the rails on this thread because you, you get the little, sometimes you get the, the double knot. And, and then like, you just leave, just quit. It's like, In uh, Connected Pro today, we spoke about Firefox. And mm. I have a, a, a point that I wanted to make there, but forgot. And now I'll make it here, which I think is one of the things that's interesting about if you if it's, it's, I think it's the same for Firefox and it's the same for WhatsApp and why they may be in some ways more interesting or in some ways better than say Safari or Messages is if as a company all you do is that thing, you're gonna mm. optimize and optimize and adapt. Like Very I'm sure point. Apple yes. have a big team that work on Safari and a big team that work on messages, but they don't have autonomy to do right. whatever they want, right? But even though WhatsApp is owned by Facebook, it doesn't matter. Like WhatsApp seems to be its own little thing. And then obviously Firefox is its own thing from Mozilla. Like they can just focus the product and make it better in the ways that make it the best thing for itself rather than Apple, you know, whoever works on messages, whoever works on Safari. I'm sure there's things they would love to do, but it doesn't meet in the overall scope or whatever, you know? By the That's way, if you want to get Connected Pro, which has additional uh, content, like for example, if you want to understand why on earth we would spend 20 minutes talking about Firefox, mm -hmm. there is a good reason for it. Um, you can go to 123membership.com. And uh, Wait, what? <laughs> I have that. I've, I forgot I had oh that domain. And That's I found really it today. 123membership.com. And you can sign up for Connected Pro. It's uh, $5 a month or $50 a year. And you get longer episodes of oh Connected God, with no ads. I can't believe nobody's talking about this link. 123membership.com. <laughs> it's perfect. It's beautiful. I found I it, it earlier today. I, I must have bought you, this you ages ago. It. You, you <laughs> no, found I have it. I've had it for ages. And I just, just found it. You just upon a domain. Like, what? <laughs> this, is, this was the thing that we were talking about. I think this was uh, on the live stream after the Pan Attic today. Is realizing I have 71 domain names. 71. Yeah, and like I own two troll domains for you. I own iosstories.net and storiesmac.com. <laughs> What's the second one? I think it's storiesmac or, or, or something like that is the domain. <laughs> Uh, is no, it stories of Mac? Perhaps? No, it's not that no. one. Hang on, I need to sign in now so I can get it. Because the iOS stories one, I registered in front of you in a bar, and then then oh, for yeah. a long time that just went to uh, <laughs> that just went to my own website, but it goes to yours now because uh, I was being less. Thank you, uh, You're so gracious. <laughs> less of a um, terrible person. StoryMax. StoryMax.com. StoryMax. StoryMax.com. It's another you even got the plurals wrong. Okay. <laughs> Story, <laughs> Story Stories Max. of Mac. No, Storymax.com. I don't That's know why I have that one. Storymax.com goes to Mac Stories. Yeah, so does iOSStories.net as well. I, I, I moved them both. 
Nice. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate okay. the gesture. So now that we're finished with the how Ooh. to send in feedback section, okay. <laughs> uh, we, will hand, <laughs> we will now hand it over to the chief of feedback, Stephen, uh, for him to tell you about our first sponsor of this week's episode. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends over at Smile. If you're feeling like you have too much to do and not enough time, if you're wondering how you can claw back some time but don't know where to start, Text Expander is your answer. It helps you work both faster and smarter, so you can focus your time on your most important work. With just a few keystrokes, Text Expander keeps you consistent, accurate, and efficient. With Text Expander, you can speed through emails in a fraction of the time, expand forms with fill in the blank fields using quick abbreviations, and save serious time by storing and expanding phrases you type frequently. Get your messages right every time by expanding content that corrects your spelling and keeps your language consistent with just a few keystrokes. I've been using Text Expander, I think, since the beginning of time. It really feels like a long time now. I can't use my Mac without it. It is just built into everything I do. Fun current example is we have switched our recording to Zoom. And with Skype, you just open Skype and click your friends and start a call. But Zoom, you got to have a meeting. And so I have my Zoom invites for various meetings set in Text Expander. So I don't have to open Zoom and find the meeting and copy their crazy text. I can just type a few letters into iMessage or Slack or email and send somebody the right meeting invite very quickly. If you haven't tried Text Expander yet, you need to go check it out. There's no better time than now because connected listeners get 20% off their first year by visiting textexpander.com slash podcast. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. Our thanks to Text Expander and Smile for their support of the show. Should we do follow up? Let's do it. So the shortcuts linking thing got fixed. Yay. Um, that was really nice to see. So uh, we talked last week about how in, a, in, a, in an expected turn of events, following the release of iOS 14.5 beta 5, or soon after that at least, all shortcuts links created before that new version of iOS suddenly disappeared from the internet. They stopped working. Um, everybody panicked. Uh, some people thought, oh, Federico jinxed it in the previous episode of Connected where he said that Apple doesn't like the idea of shortcuts sharing. Um, was that is that the connected curse? A bunch of people, you know, were concerned about that. We covered this issue on the show last week. We had before the show reached out to Apple for a comment, and I said on the show that Apple hadn't gotten back to us yet. Surprisingly, that was really nice of them. Actually, a few hours later, was actually you know was actually my my five a.m. and I was still up because I really wanted to finish Final Fantasy VII remake. That's and so bad. I was like in the middle of this scene with Tifa and Cloud mm-hmm. when suddenly I saw an email from Apple PR. And well, I'm realizing now how it, this sentence couldn't be any more teachy. And in Hey, I have Apple PR configured <laughs> to, to like one of the few contacts that can send me push notifications. So anyway, that was the context. Uh, I get this email saying with with a statement that I shared on Twitter saying that that Apple was aware of the of the issue and they they were working to bring back those links they were restoring those links and I went to sleep very happy about that 
And when I woke up the following morning, most of the links in the Mac Stories Shortcuts archive were backups, not all of them. And by the evening, all of the links on Mac Stories were restored. I saw a few people saying that they were also seeing partial rollouts uh, in the sense that some of their links were coming back, but some of them were not. And I believe that Matthew Cassinelli tweeted just a few minutes ago how uh, all of the links on his website, at least, um, have been restored and Apple also confirmed that the restoration process has been completed and all of the pre all of the old shortcuts links are now working again. So just out of curiosity because I haven't I'm doing this live. Um I want to see if the old workflow links are also working again. Do you have any feeling on I know that I'm confident nobody's said anything to you but do you have any feeling on what happened there? Do you think it was just an error no or do you think they're changing something and it's broken it? I honestly have no idea. Um, okay. it's inter- my theory is that they did something to the gallery. Uh, they were doing some work on the shortcut gallery because that also went down briefly mm-hmm. last week. So I think uh, something happened there. So let me just send this tab to my iPhone as a push notification. If you want to know why I'm doing this, again, go listen to Connected Pro. I got the page on my phone. So let's see, an old workflow link. I have an article from 2017 about workflow magic variables. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I was so clever with the title, with the, with the section titles in this article. One of them is called It's a Kind of Magic. Ah. I'm <laughs> okay. a good blogger. I'm so, a good blogger. so excited about their own work over here. Yeah. Sure there's uh, a word for this. Let's see, you can get the workflow here. Mm. It doesn't Did it work? No. <laughs> Didn't fly. So those workflow links are dead. Again, okay. I believe they were broken before too. I just wanted to double check and confirm. So yeah. Like uh, yeah, I mean that makes sense though. Right? It feels like it's time for them to go away. Because sure. I guess if you had it, if you create the original workflow, you could just create a shortcut link now, right? Because they all moved over. Right. Uh, I guess the uh, there's some of these workflows, in, like in this article from 2017, some of these workflows I don't have anymore on my device locally, and now I cannot download them from the old workflow dot is URL either. But I mean right. that's fine, right? We all knew this was going to happen eventually. It was nice enough of Apple to keep those workflow links working for a couple of years after they acquired. Uh, workflow and it, and it became shortcuts. So in, any, in any case, uh, the good news is shortcuts links have been restored. So if a link was broken, check again. It should be working again. Recently, I was complaining that Spotify doesn't have show notes for mm-hmm. podcasts. And a couple of people wrote in, including Cameron, to tell me that it has been added. Uh, this is a recent thing, I, for sure. I know a few months ago, at least, I checked and they did not have this. But they have full show notes with uh, links and everything there. So that's very good. I'm very pleased about that. Like That is something that genuinely yeah. like makes me very happy because of the effort that I put into them. So now do chapters. <laughs> now do chapter support, Spotify. That's what I would like next, please. Yeah. But, they have show notes, and you can tap on the links, and yeah. they open in they open in your system browser. So it's it's pretty good. Yeah, uh, I'm pleased that they have that. But I would love to see them do chapters too. Yeah. And if they're also going to do chapters, I want chapter specific artwork. Just go the yeah, whole way. The, yeah, they they got to do the whole thing. Mm-hmm. On a side note, I saw uh, 
an article that Spotify has bought a company that seems like it will give them the tools to make a clubhouse competitor. Right. Which I think makes a lot of sense for Spotify, honestly. Um, especially for, like, I guess, like sports-related podcasts that they own. Um, they actually bought... A, the company that they bought was a sports-focused oh, live app. It's called okay. Locker Room, was the name oh, of the sure. application. Okay. All right. And it was built to be a kind of clubhouse... I don't know exactly the timeline how long that app had been around. It's been around for a while, I think. And that's what it that's what it was built for, to be like a live um sports app. So like for example, mm-hmm. if you wanted to basically be a commentator of a sporting game, you could do that. Right. And I think I think it really uh, got some traction with the NBA, like with, with basketball. Um I believe. So they've bought this company. They're gonna keep this app around for a while, but they're gonna rebrand it at some point and it seems like a, their plans at first is to have it as a separate application. But, you know, it makes a lot of sense that then once you've recorded your broadcast, it will go to your Anchor account and get turned into an, a podcast which goes on Spotify, right? Like, that just feels like that's the full stack that they would do if you wanted mm. that. And why not connect all the pieces together? Um, but I also found it funny. It was This was funny to me that kind of this week, I think, LinkedIn... Mm-hmm. And Discord, well, LinkedIn have announced they're making a Clubhouse competitor. Slack has reframed something they previously said they were going to do and calling mm. it a Clubhouse competitor, which was, we spoke about this ages ago, when Slack announced that they were doing stories. Oh, God. They also referenced making a push-to-talk type mm. service, and this would be that, right? So you could have basically a, an audio channel open all the time, and when people want to say something, they can, otherwise they're quiet. But they referenced it being like Clubhouse. And then some code was found, I think, over the last 24 hours that Discord seems to be making their own as well. I mean, what Discord does right now, Discord's audio channels, not too far away from Clubhouse, but just kind of changing some of the UI to make it a bit more Clubhouse-y. Uh, Clubhouse is going to go away soon. It can't survive mm-hmm. this. It, it, honestly, mm-hmm. I just don't think it can survive this. Uh, Every yeah. company, like, this was this was the thing. You know, like, people are saying this. This isn't an original thought, but like, they are. Clubhouse is a feature, not an app. Yeah. So yeah, I just thought it was funny. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited about the LinkedIn version, though. Yeah, LinkedIn. I don't even know what you call it, but yeah, it sounds great, right? You can... Oh, you know they're gonna call it like the boardroom or something. Oh, they really should though. <laughs> or even just water cooler. <laughs> yeah, right? all like of these that. things will work. If anything, if they don't give it a good branding brand name now, I'll be really upset because we've just given them two great ones. Mm, yeah, I agree. Okay, cause Karshiak. She, I'm sorry, I'm ter- just butchered the this uh, user's name in the in the Relay FM members Discord. Has created a Notion database of the results of Ricky's. Oh uh, I think Koshashi's is the name. We're going to go with Majd, uh, who's in the Discord right now. So I apologize, listening live for the butchering of the name. Now this is very very cool because what it's what this this notion database is doing is it's not just saying who won like that's great we have that my favorite part of this is they have scored our predictions and our percentages of being correct wow he uses mathematics yes and <laughs> i am cleaning up baby kind of how so 
All right, so this is including the 2020 predictions and then from the WWDC 2020 rookies onwards. So we've got like four events and, and one annual prediction thing in here. So the, And it's got all of our winnings and everything in there, which is really cool. But then when we look at the second chart, we've got like hosts and we have each of us and our regular pick rate, flexi pick rate, Ricky pick rate. So of regular picks... 66% of mine are typically correct. Feder- uh, Federico, you get 50%, and Steven gets 75%. So of our regular picks, our round one and round two picks, that's our likelihood of getting those correct. Hmm. With flexies, I'm 11.5%, you're 6.8%, and Steven is 7%. At Ricky's, I am 50%. So 50% of the time, my Ricky is correct, and both you and Steven are 33%. So that puts us in... Oh, I'm not cleaning up, actually. I come second. So Stephen gets 47% of picks correct. I get 45% of all picks. This is the regular picks and Ricky's and Flexi's all together. And you get 34%. Your passion is bringing you down, my friend. Well, I, I, first of all, I don't understand how you can be 33% correct. You're either correct or you're not. You okay, well... You can be 33% correct. Right. Uh, second, I feel like this is a grand scheme organized by Majd and Steven and oh, you... Oh, this is a conspiracy. To, conf- to confuse... Okay. To confuse the hearts of the people with mathematics and numbers. When people think of the Rikis, they think of passion, they think of, the, of, of our relationship, of our, you know fighting over the picks mm-hmm. they don't think of these numbers they don't think of these formulas what's i mean i appreciate i feel like majd is is in this conspiracy somehow you have convinced a member of our discord to participate in this scheme of yours uh, i majd it's not too late to come clean right if you want to confess I'm willing to forgive you. That's all I'm going to say. If people want I, to see the data for themselves, there'll be a link in the show notes. So, so, how are you going to look at this? Bunch of numbers, a bunch of percentages. What's it going to tell you, huh? What's it gonna, it, it's no passion the, percentage. No, what's this. I mean? Cold, hard numbers? What's, what, what are you going to do with them? Come on. Nothing, probably. I do appreciate all the, the little figurines. Yeah, they're good. Th- those are really good. And also, this is a very good use of Notion. So thank you, Majd. Except for all of the lies. Except for the, cons- expect for, you know, for the, for the <laughs> conspiracy. But I mean, technically... Everything else. I am praising you. Yeah. But on a personal level, I'm really disappointed that you Whoa. were convinced <laughs> by Stephen and Michael. <laughs> well, there you go. This. It's too bad. Beta 6 of iOS 14.5 just came out before mm-hmm. we started recording today we don't really know uh of anything new in it except for the fact that uh you're now going to be given the choice of siri voices so when right. you set up a, a, a phone I, I we assume from new but i wouldn't be surprised if it pops up as part of the upgrade process to 14.5 it's rather than it just defaulting to one or the other you'll now make the decision because in different territories it makes a default so in america it's uh defaults to female and in the UK, defaults to male. And so now you'll be able to choose. And there are some new voices too. So uh, I don't know if the voices are, because I haven't set this up yet. I don't know if the voices are gendered or if they're just named. If they're gendered, right. I don't understand why they would 
would need to do that. They could just name the voices, and you can just choose. So I'm looking at it now. Okay, you've got it in front of you. They are not gendered anymore. That's great. So, That's fantastic. It, so yeah, as well, Niles yeah. in the chat is saying you either choose voice one, two, three, or four. Voice one, it's four. It says voice one, two, three. I like that. They're not gendering it anymore. They're just giving voice choices for you to make, which I think is great because then you can just choose whichever one appeals to you the most. Yeah, I think it's the right option. Like the whole male and female. I, I, for a long time, I wondered why, like, I, I wonder if anybody ever did some kind of study or some kind of demo or on gender-neutral voices. Like, is it possible to build a gender-neutral voice? Mm-hmm. Curious to know if there's any research done on this topic. I think this is the right approach. Now it just has the accent, which is not even called accent. It's called variety. Mm. And you just choose a number. One, two, three, and four. So this okay. is nice. I want to try the Italian voice because supposedly the Italian voice also receive. You know what? Actually, hold on a second. I want to see what happens if I switch voices. Uh, it's not gendered. Even if you so, even if you don't have the fancy new voices, which is English only, even the older ones don't have the genders anymore. So they're completely gone. That's cool. The Italian voice supposedly, and also Russian and French, maybe. They received the new neural TTS voice, which uses machine learning uh, to enhance the quality of the voice and the response to make the tone sound more human and natural. Mm-hmm. That was exclusive to English, I think. Um, was launched last year. Apple had a white paper on it too, and now it's available in the Italian Siri as well. Too bad you still cannot have multiple languages in Siri. Um, so you still got to choose one language at a time. And obviously, this is not the case with the Echo, which lets you use multiple, and also the Google Assistant, I think. Uh, but still, this is nice of Apple to do this. I think it's a, it's a it's a good change. It's a positive changes. It's, yeah. it's, again, it's you can you can shake off some of this stuff because you don't need it, and it it can actually allow for simplification. And why not go for that? And then more people feel included or not excluded. There's no harm in doing that, right? It's very, it's easy, these are easy changes to make for the potential benefit that they could have for other people. So it's super cool. Hmm. Last time we spoke about light mode and dark mode, and three of us worked out that we were all across the spectrum of what devices we use, which are light and which are dark, right? So Stephen, uh, in his wisdom, created a Google form which he'd been sh- which he shared on Twitter uh, last week about with our audience uh, to see what do you all select with your devices for light mode and dark mode, and I have some very interesting results to share with you. So, one thousand five hundred and fifty nine people, Federico, took the connected mode survey to say if they're going to be light or dark mode. And basically, all of this is surprising to me. So the iPhone, Mm. we got 11.8% of iPhone users that were responded to the survey said that they use light mode all the time. 11.8%, much lower than I expected. 42.9% of iPhone users who took the survey said they use dark mode all the time and 45.3% of 
go with automatic switching. Hmm. Now, remind me, you're light mode all the time, right? Yes. Yeah. So you're in a strong minority now. 11.8%. Strong minority. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. iPad. 19% of iPad users light mode. 39.9% dark mode and 41.1% automatic switching. So ultimately the same answers, but slightly different percentages. It's really surprising to me that the iPad has significantly more light mode users than the iPhone. So the iPad is 19% and the iPhone is 11.8%. That's just, that's very surprising to me, right? I, I, I wouldn't have expected that. So, and then we have with the Macintosh, 30.2% use automatic switching, 33.3% use light mode, and 36.5% of Mac users use dark mode. This is the most surprising out of all of these to me. I wouldn't have expected the majority of Mac users in our survey to be using dark mode because, I don't know, I feel like dark mode is like on the Mac by a lot of um, longer time Mac users kind of look down upon because it's like, oh, this is not how this is not how the Mac should look. But there we go. These are our results. This is not what I was expecting. No, Uh, I would say. Dark mode across the board is is much higher th- than I would have expected compared to how light mode came in. I would have thought there would be more of a split between light mode and dark mode than there is on iOS products. So the iPhone and the iPad, like it's way more dark mode than it is light mode. And then most people mm. tend to be using the automatic switching between them, which kind of feels to me that adding dark mode to iOS was a good thing because it shows that like 90% of iPhone and iPad users want to have dark mode by this statistic, right? Because 40% of them choose to turn it on all the time and then another 40% of them want it at certain points. So you're definitely in the minority by keeping one of your devices in light mode all the time. Hmm. So what we have learned is people like dark mode. Yeah, I mean, that's really the takeaway here. Mm-hmm. Uh, 36% on the Mac. I guess it makes... The iPad is really more, is even more surprising to me. Uh, almost Basically, 40% of iPad users have dark mode on all the time. Like, I, it's even more surprising to me than the iPhone. The iPad number. The Mac, I would have expected to be that kind of percentage because again i think it makes more sense on the mac where you have like these pro apps that already use dark uis mm-hmm. but on the ipad hmm interesting okay so people use dark mode that's the main takeaway that's the big takeaway from today is that people use and love dark so mode. you are a man of the people indeed I re- you Mike. know what i really am all right it's, it's you suppose. it's always been you not steven <laughs> It's it's been you all along. The things we discover when Stephen is not around, right? Mm-hmm. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Storyworth. It's definitely been the year of getting creative when it comes to staying in touch with family. I know we've had a lot more FaceTime calls, uh, a lot more Skype calls than we ever have before. 
it's never been more important to stay in touch with everyone in my life, and 2020 just made it hard. StoryWorth, however, can make you feel closer to loved ones no matter the distance. It's an online service that helps you and your loved ones share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. It's a fun new way to engage with family, especially those you can't see in person. Every week, StoryWorth emails your family member different story prompts, questions you've never thought to ask. Things like, has your life turned out differently than you imagined it would? Or what would you have changed uh, your mind about over the years or if you knew something earlier than you did? Really thoughtful questions. And I love those questions. Sometimes those questions are hard to ask in person or over FaceTime. StoryWorth gives you a little breathing room in those questions, and it's been a great way to bond with family. After one year, StoryWorth will compile all of your stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped for free. This is a book that can totally become this like family heirloom. You can give it to your kids. They can learn about their great-grandparents or people they've never met. Give your loved ones the gift of spending time together wherever you live with StoryWorth. Get started right away with no shipping required by going to storyworth.com connected, and you'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com connected for $10 off. Our thanks to StoryWorth for their support of the show and Relay FM. Today, Apple kind of announced, or was it announced for them, basically, that they're mm. uh, one of the leading investors in a $50 million investment round in a company called United Masters. Uh, United Masters is a music-focused company that aims to help independent artists get started in the music business. They work with them to get them up and going. They're basically a label, but they make sure that the artists keep the rights to their recording masters, and then they help them work out deals with brands. They help them understand social media, provide marketing support, connect them with their audiences better, help them sell concert tickets, merch, and stuff like that. I'd never heard of this company that I was kind of doing a bit of research about them today. They sound really good, like as a thing for music. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, had you ever heard of United Masters before? Mm, first time today. So they've been around since 2017. They were start. It was started by uh, somebody called Steve Stout, who used to hmm. work at um, Sony. They they okay. worked in music at Sony, and since then, since the founding, I've been bringing on more artists, and they've been doing some interesting stuff. Like in August 2020, they worked. They they struck a deal with TikTok, so TikTok artists could distribute their original songs through other streaming platforms. So they seem to basically try and find ways to connect emerging musicians with existing platforms. And I'm sure, look, they make money across the way, right? But they're not making money by doing things like existing record labels have done by saying, we own your music, right? Which is if you, know, if you follow Taylor Swift's saga, yep. right? Like this is a thing. Looking at the partnership list now, um, I, rem- I vaguely remember when... Um, Twitch creators made a big deal out of the fact that they could use more music in their streams. And this yeah, was possible they had because the whole in DMCA September 2020, yeah. mm-hmm. United Mastered partnered with Twitch to um, feature, to basically allow creators to use licensed music in their mm-hmm. streams. So I, this, I, but I was not aware of the United, that it was United Masters. Okay, well, this is a cool company. 
So they sound like a super interesting company. It kind of sounds like this is how you would make a record label today, right? I think that's kind of what they're going for. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I said, obviously they make their money, right? But they're probably taking cuts and stuff like that. And I bet it's kind of like um, one of those approaches of scale, you know, like they bring on a bunch of artists and every now and then one of them breaks through and they make a bunch of money from it. Now, what's interesting here is Apple didn't buy this company. <laughs> it's a strategic mm-hmm. partnership and Alphabet, Google, is also one of the large uh, investors in this investment round. I think with Andreessen Horowitz, they led the round. Um, but Apple is is working on what is called a strategic partnership with them. This is interesting. I mean, from talking to you recently, this is not the kind of stuff that you're looking for from Apple Music. Uh, but- no, but it's different kind of stuff that is also important, I think. Like Apple as an, first of all, I think Apple as an investor is fascinating. Mm -hmm. Uh, Joining with other companies to invest rather than to purchase, to acquire another company. It's pretty cool. This feels like a a non-cynical political move from them. Saying like, this is how we believe the music industry should be. Yes, right. which is exactly why this may not be like a fancy new feature of Apple Music, but I think it's something important because going forward, like something we've seen during the pandemic is like a lot of artists struggling to, well, obviously make money, right? Because of you know, we already know how artists were really making money more off merchandise and uh, concerts. Of course, because it's the only way they could you know, make money. <laughs> it's the only way to, they could, I mean, if you're Taylor Swift or Beyonce, like you make money also from yeah. Spotify streams yeah. and Apple Music streams. But most, most artists make money off of selling their most loyal fans merchandise, uh, exclusive editions, deluxe editions, you know, all that kind of stuff. And what we've seen during the pandemic was a lot of, there was a lot of uncertainty at first, but especially over the past six months, I have noticed that a lot of artists have basically started doing all the same thing, but each on a different platform, which is uh, streaming concerts, right? Uh, Selling virtual tickets to these concerts and uh, investing even more on merchandise, um, doing things like, um, what are they called? Graphic novels, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, oh, just in the, in the past month, I've seen three different bands do a graphic novel. So all of these folks are trying different ways to monetize their audience, to monetize their most loyal fans. And that was a byproduct of, obviously, the lack of touring and the lack of being able to do concerts. But I think it speaks to the bigger point of there has to be an easier way to do this. There, or at least it would be nicer. I mean, let's not even talk about the thing that some artists are now doing with selling albums as NFTs, NFTs. right? But it <laughs> seems also- like the NFTs things is big artists and not small artists, and it's a marketing tactic. I, f- I, f- I feel I, from yeah. the ones that I've seen anyway, like the Kings of Leon did it. Exactly. Um, I also think Lindsay Lohan did an NFT thing. Uh, I I think uh, at least I've I've seen it on Twitter. Um, so the thing is, I feel like it would be interesting to see a, some kind of centralized way for artists to do this. Like it's not ideal that if I wanna watch the 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 the, the, the streamed concert for Jimmy Eat World that I got a purchase a virtual ticket for mm-hmm. i gotta sign up for a specific jimmy word platform mm-hmm. and create an account 
and do all that. And then if I want to do the same for the main or for Blink-182, like I got to repeat the same steps over and over again. And I don't know about you, but like I've done a couple of these things like over the pandemic and it's a real crapshoot as to what the streaming platform is going to be like. Yes. Yes, performance is not great. <laughs> Some of those videos you cannot re-download. Yep. They use custom you video players. You can pause them. <laughs> you can pause them. Like, it's not great, man. It's not really... But at the same time, I empathize with artists, right? Because, like, what you got to do? You got to find ways to make money yep. uh, and to live off your art right now. And so I support them because it's the right thing to do. But I feel like I've been saying for the past few years how... There has to be, you know, I was, I wrote about this in the context of Apple Music, but it applies to other companies as well. The original idea behind Apple Music Connect was not that bad. It was just poorly realized and Apple didn't really spend enough time building it. But mm-hmm. I feel like the, the underlying idea of what if an artist had a much better way to directly connect with their audience. The problem is Apple did it in a way that they kind of wanted to do like their own Instagram, but for music artists, which was the wrong approach. The right approach is allow artists to build something that resembles a mailing list, right? Uh, Give them a way to sell stuff, whether it's limited edition, whether it's a virtual ticket or a physical ticket when we can go back to having concerts. Like Give them a direct a direct way to reach their audience and to sell stuff easily in a trusted environment with a simple payment system with if you want to sell video you have a native video player you have all of these features that the platform takes care of for you you just connect to your audience and i feel like they tried this to an extent, like I wrote about it a couple of years ago when they did it with Billie Eilish. They had like this special page in Apple Music that allowed you to go to a website and use Apple Pay to purchase the uh, uh, Billie Eilish merchandise. And I still have that Billie Eilish t-shirt that I bought, which is I sick. Mean, I love but it. But like to go back to the point that we were making earlier, it's like... This is the that is an exact example of what you shouldn't do. Is that it bent over backwards to exactly. give just to Billy Eilish had, like, and then never they, do it again. Exactly. So th- this partnership with this kind of company is interesting. I would love to see more of this. Like beyond the individual features that you know I may appreciate more these days in Spotify rather than Apple Music. I do think that Apple understands this, the, uh, and they must have seen like the struggle of artists over the past 12 months because it like the pandemic has completely changed the way that that how the music industry operates Mm -hmm. and the consequences of this i mean it's pretty bad in italy right now i think it's pretty bad everywhere honestly but like right now on what we keep hearing here is how the the industry that's been impacted the most even more than the artists themselves are the people who work behind the scenes, right? The people who work in like the, the, the you know, the, the staff and the engineers and, you know, the people mm-hmm. who operate behind the scenes in theaters, at concerts locations. Like that, unfortunately, cannot be fixed. Yeah, because the... Because it's all the, digital, The right? man, like, who is putting up the rigging or the person yep. who is uh, serving food or, like the woman who's managing the ticket sales, like 
they can't go on social media and make money. Yep. Right? Like, they they have no other path there to, like, continue to make a living, you know? So it's like, yeah, it's bad for the artists, but all of the support around that, yeah, I mean, it is tricky. I mean, you know, and there are some steps. Like, did you see uh, Glastonbury? See what Glastonbury's doing? No. So they're not doing the festival, but uh-huh. they are setting up all of the stages or like a selection of the stages and they're bringing the artists in and they're See, doing amazing. a digital yeah. concert. So you can that's buy amazing. a Glastonbury ticket, but it's just to watch a performance. Yeah. But they're doing it at Glastonbury. I love it. That, yeah. See, I mean, folks are figuring things out despite the situation. And I feel like when it comes to music streaming services, there should be a way for artists to do this directly in the app that you use. I mean, let's face it, I shouldn't have to sign up for the Jimmy Eat World newsletter so that I know when they're selling a virtual ticket and sign up and create an account and use their crappy video player and repeat the same process over and over for Liam Gallagher and then for the main and then for, you know, a mm-hmm. bunch of different... Like, I'm going to do it, but it shouldn't have to be this way. By the way, the, the Glastonbury lineup looks really good. Oh, yeah? Uh, for me, anyway. Coldplay, da- Damon Albarn, and Haim are the headliners. Perfect. I love it. Okay. I mean, like, I'm just in. Yes. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, sure, sure. Don't mind if I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I give you my money for that? <laughs> the other thing, though, that I, I think is important for thinking about companies like United Masters and whatever is... If the ind- the music industry wants to continue in having labels, they have to do things like this because stuff like Patreon mm-hmm. and YouTube and TikTok mm-hmm. means that a lot of artists do not need labels anymore, yep. right? Like you can get money directly and you can get yourself out there in a way that was impossible to do even 15 years ago. So really the only way for this industry to continue being useful, at least in the kind of like early stages of somebody's career, is they have to be incentivized that everyone comes out of it winning. Because mm-hmm. otherwise you're only get, like labels are only going to get involved when someone gets huge. And outside of that, they're not going to be able to find their own artists and even strike deals that are they're not going to have any leverage, right? Because if somebody's massive already, someone's got like 10 million YouTube subscribers or whatever, and they're getting millions and millions of views, yep. they're coming to the table with a lot more leverage. So, you know, the, unless the labels will start to create more equitable relationships earlier on, they're just that, that part of the industry is just going to go away, I'm sure. Yeah, and it's especially interesting when you consider how what you mentioned about how some artists are doing their own membership programs really yep. to 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 monetize an audience like for example i personally subscribe to um william ryan key on patreon he's the former singer of the band yellow card hmm. and he's now doing his solo project and it's fascinating because you can subscribe to to uh, william ryan key and you get a bunch of things that you like until a few years ago this like i wouldn't have even imagined that i would be able to do a q and a session like uh, each month with the singer of yellow card uh, or you got for example like the digital pdf of the handwritten lyrics of a song like you got a bunch of these things that i mean yeah it's super cool like if i'm a super fan i'm gonna give you money and you give me this like things that make me feel special like that make me appreciate the fact that i'm following you 
as an artist. And at the same time, I'm feeling good about giving you money because I'm supporting your art and your craft. Like, totally. Like, that, that is an amazing idea. And so if you're a label, you got to consider this fact that more and more artists are saying, you know what? I may not be able to go on tour anymore, at least right now, but I'm still, I'm gonna, we're going to figure things out on our own. And we're gonna monitor, and we're gonna find ways to reach audiences, whether it's YouTube or Patreon or like I, I, I saw somebody. Was it the main? No, it was somebody else saying they have a Discord server, and like they're using technology and they're taking control of these things on their own, yep. without necessarily having the official support of a label. And I think it's amazing. It's incredible. Tick tick. So mm. we spoke about TikTok last time because Stephen had moved to TikTok and was selling us on it. And we were both pretty intrigued about TikTok. Uh, and we both had some time to try it out. I will say, just for full disclosure, uh, after hearing the episode, somebody at TikTok reached out and gave us all one year subscriptions. I didn't use it. I, I did. So <laughs> thank you, TikTok. Uh, Federico did not use it. Uh, I just wanted to say that up front. <laughs> So I have been digging around a little bit and, and I haven't spent the amount of time with TikTok that I would maybe want to, but I feel like I might be bumping up against an issue that, so I've been using OmniFocus for most of this year, actually over a year, nearly, mm, about a year. Sorry, that was terrible the way I said that. About a year is how long I've been using <laughs> OmniFocus for. And the thing that made me move was you were you were using OmniFocus at the time, and yes. uh, you and Sylvia were working on the new um, yes. perspective icons. And the thing that I really liked was the idea of assigning multiple tags to mm. one task, because something that I was starting to struggle with was my work was starting to span across multiple areas and I was struggling to with Todoist find a place to put tasks because Todoist is a projects based like kind of first model and what I like about OmniFocus is it is very flexible in that you can create projects or tasks but then also just create perspectives that lumps them all together and ultimately, where I settled on is I don't use projects anymore. All of the tasks that I put into OmniFocus get tags, and they can have as many tags as I want put on them. And then I have a set of perspectives which group together the tags that I want. So, like, for example, if I was doing something for this show, say it was preparing for the episode, I might have, like two tags on it, maybe one that says show prep and one which says connected. And then I can have a perspective, which is just connected, which would include this task and any other task, which is tagged or connected, but there could be any other task attached to them. Where if I was doing this as a project, I would have to choose a bucket to put them in. So it might be either show prep project or the connected project. But then all, all right. I'm going to see when I go into those views are just the things in that project, and so I I was in, I've been enjoying if that makes sense. I know it's a, it's a bit complicated, I think, unless you're working like me. But what I like about the way that I set things up with OmniFocus is 
every task can have lots of different tags and those tags can then show up in other views in the application. And I feel like TickTick is definitely more of a projects-focused app, which they call lists, right? So I would set up a bunch of lists and I can put tags on them, but the tags are very much like really one word. You know, like you can't have any spaces, you can't have any emoji. Uh, it doesn't like any of that. And so really for me to want to move to this, I have to be completely blown away by the other parts of the application to the point mm -hmm. that I'm willing to rebuild my system mm -hmm. again or like adapt my system again. And I've done it so many times and I kind of just get used to it. But I would say that so far the app hasn't really grabbed me in usage to want to dive in like there's some really nice features in it like i stumbled across a whole template feature that it has so you could create like a packing list template and just save it in the app and just bring it up whenever you wanted it and that's like a really great feature and so i really i i want to spend more time kicking the tires of the application honestly because there is a bunch of cool stuff in there like all the stuff that Stephen was talking about i really like that you can have like just lots of lovely notes really nicely formatted i really hate it's one of the things i hate about omnifocus is I, it doesn't have nice formatting in the notes right like i want markdown in the notes field of the tasks right and you don't get that in omnifocus i had that in todoist and i could get it here so what i'll say is so far i have spent i don't know like 45 minutes to an hour just in the application setting some basic stuff up and i haven't been as blown away in using it as the way Stephen was describing it, which is maybe suggesting to me that I actually have to start putting some data in it and try using it for what it's supposed to be. And then maybe I will start to fall in love with it in the way that Stephen has. But I am getting stuck on the fact that I would need to come up with a new system again, when really what I want to do is have tags formatted however I want, and then create some smart lists to bring those tags together, which you can do. You can create smart lists. I haven't worked out how you do this yet, but their kind of like web page and how you create smart lists seems to indicate you can create smart lists based on multiple tags. But then I don't like the way that tags are formatted. So for example, if I wanted to have a tag that said uh, podcast recording, it would have to be all one word. And I kind of don't like that. So, I'm getting a little stuck on some of the features. Or, or basically, I'm getting stuck on some of the fundamentals before I'm getting the opportunity to really try out the features. But that's kind of one of the things about these types of applications is they've all got to mix and kind of fit with your system and or the way that you approach this stuff. And I'm just not sure that this one has yet. Right. Yeah, I was... um. I tried it out for like a couple of hours last week and I was in, like immediately turned uh, off by the custom UI. That's mm -hmm. why I asked Steven uh, last week, does it feel like you're using a web app? Does it feel like you're using a custom thing on iOS? And I got that feeling like even more than what I expected mm. based on Steven's answer. And it was a bunch of things. and. Um, I found the the sort of the this mix of a bunch of functionalities. Sure, you can disable them, but 
I didn't get a great feeling out of, you know, thinking, oh, this company is doing both a task manager and a calendar client and a Pomodoro timer and a habit tracker all in one. Like, I don't know. It doesn't strike me as a, as an enti- as a, as a focused product. I don't know. Maybe it's just my personal feeling, but I, I go with my gut feelings a lot here for this kind of stuff because I've, like I try so many, and I'm. This is not like a oh a humble brag. No, it's like it's my job, and I try so many apps on a weekly basis. If I didn't go with my gut feeling at this point, I would go. You know, I would lose not just my hours of my time, but also my mental sanity. So, it, it's more of a like the first impression matters a lot for me these days, and tick tick doesn't make a great first impression. At least based on the kind of user I am, I guess. Maybe Steven doesn't care about that stuff. Maybe you don't care about that stuff. And that's fine. Really, it's fine. But I it's like not the kind of a nice user experiences, right? Um, like, for example, I really like the way that OmniFocus looks and works on iOS. Um, I bump with it quite a lot on the Mac. I really don't like the Mac app. I've kind of grown to just suffer it. Um, but I, 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 what I don't like about OmniFocus on iOS is the task entry system, but I built a really good shortcut <laughs> that I love. And nice. I never want to enter tasks in a to-do app without being able to create a shortcut for it. Because on the home screen now, I just have a shortcut, I hit it, and I can, and it just pops down with a UI. I type in my task, pick a date, and I'm done like an assigned a tag. Like, it's so easy, and I love that. So I, I never enter tasks in OmniFocus in the application. I just enter them from the shortcut that I made. And so any app that I ever move to now, I want to be able to create a similar thing for. But most of the ones that I've tried out seems fine to do. So you're still using good task then, right? Yeah, yes. Because yeah. it's interesting, because one of whenever I have looked at it, I did try it for a bit. I feel like there are parts of the UI of that app that are really difficult for me to sure. to understand. Like, especially the quick actions part, which I know you really like. Oh, man, those are amazing. It's yeah. like, when I look at it, it kind of feels like there was a UI explosion and now there's just pieces, mm. like, littered everywhere. I get it. I get it. Uh, yes, it's not. It's the iCab of task managers. All oh right? my god, that's perfect. Yes, it's got everything, but <laughs> because it has everything. But it's but it's got like, that's the difference. It's not that it's got everything the way the TickTick has everything. It's yeah. got all the possible all the settings yep. for two features, like for a task manager. Not even. I mean, it's just. It's not even a calendar client. You can see events, but. It's not a kind of client. It's got all the potential options you will ever want to configure for a task manager. And yes, it could be better. And sometimes you, you come across a typo in the UI, which I'm, you know, which I'm willing to, to forgive because the developer is based in Korea. So, I, I mean, it's fine. Uh, typos are not that important. Uh, it's the overall experience that matters to me. And... I feel like a good task I I love because it's like th- this little playground 
especially since the developer added the quick action, the customizable quick actions. Um, it's got a steep learning curve, that's for sure. But it's the combination of complete user control and native UI elements that got me, right? It's that idea of, here you go, you have, you have all of these native UI tools, nothing is custom, like it's all native UI kit. These custom lists and, and context menus and text fields, all of that stuff is native UI, behaves the way you expect it to. So whether you're using touch or you know a pointer on your iPad, it works the way you know. But you also have complete control over this thing. And you can build, you know, John has some really wild actions, actually even more complex than mine, I think, where he's doing things like cleaning up the title and auto-tagging stuff. He's got like this amazing follow-up action that when he sends an email to somebody and he knows he's going to follow up with that person in a few days, it's got this action that auto-creates a follow-up task for him. Mm. And I'm like, that's incredible. My, my quick actions are pretty simple. Like, I have actions to apply tags and to postpone tasks by a certain number of days. But like, it's the idea of having complete control and essentially building your own custom interface using native UI elements that I really appreciate. Plus, the uh, Good Task is one of those apps that it feels like your patience is rewarded over time and it pays off to learn and spend a few hours like looking at this UI explosion as you as you called it like this like this sea of settings that you have and it pays off over time because now for example I have this custom dashboard view that I set up months ago and I never touched it again which is a kanban board set up the way I like it so that I can see you know I, I see a column for Monday and then Tuesday mm. and then Wednesday and well, then tell the rest me then. of the week can I do what I want? Can I assign multiple tags to a task? Yeah. Mm. Well, I'll <laughs> download this one again then. I mean, what you got to keep in mind is that GoodTask is a reminders client, right? So when you say tags, technically, behind the scenes, the way that it applies quote-unquote tags is by putting hashtags into the note field of a reminder. Meaning, in GoodTask, they behave like tags. If you open the Reminders app, you will see hashtag, I don't know, research in the note I field of a reminder. I to ever open the Reminders app. That's what I do. I, right. I don't I, I never opened it. I don't know why you would. Like, I don't know why you would use GoodTask and then ever open Reminders. You've chosen GoodTask, right? It's like, yeah. I use OmniFocus. I don't open Reminders. Like, and I know, I know, like, I know that the reason you're mentioning that is because GoodTask is somehow using reminders to make its yeah. app. I guess, is this kind of like in the way, does it have access to reminders like in the way that Fantastical can access my iOS calendars? Yes, it's it's that API. It's an API, okay. It's, that, All right, it's the event kit uh, API, which has been around forever. Right. Um, if anything, the good task developer if does something that the... Um, the fantastical doesn't do, I think, which is I'm gonna make this easy to explain on a podcast. So you know how in <laughs> reminders they added rich links, yeah, like last two years ago. So if you save a web page 
from Safari to Reminders, it gets the little visual preview mm-hmm. of the link. Well, that rich link apparently is using like a private API. It's not the native URL field of, of the reminder, which means that if you save a reminder with a rich link in Safari, you don't see the link in Fantastical, I think. Mm-hmm. But the Good Task developer figured this out, and so you can see the rich links in Good Task too. The thing you do not get because it's not exposed in the Reminders API are native Reminders subtasks. So if you create nested Reminders uh, in the Reminders app, which is a feature that not everybody knows about, but you can create subtasks like mm-hmm. subtasks in Reminders. Um, that those subtasks will not show up in Good Task or Fantastical for that matter. But Good Task lets you create your own custom subtasks. So the developer figured out a way, but it's a custom thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, I think, the only limitation when it comes to like. Um, but again. Oh, and you cannot, I, I guess, you cannot assign reminders to other people, which is also a native uh, reminders only functionality. Yeah, but again, it's but like I'm not care. gonna. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not you gonna use them both, right? I'm not gonna use reminders and good task. I'm sure people do, but I wouldn't. Like, I'm I'm gonna choose one or the other. Um, well, all right. Well, I've got another one to try out then. I guess two apps <laughs> to try. Yep. And honestly, I I wouldn't be surprised if I'm still back at um and on my focus. But who knows? I'm always looking for new things, and it is because. I like what I can do with OmniFocus more than I like OmniFocus. You know? Like, that's a that's a re- really good way to put it. I would pay serious money, but like serious money, for an OmniFocus that looked and behaved like things. Oh my God, don't even... <laughs> <laughs> Don't I know, even. Right? I know, right? I mean, imagine that. Yeah. If Spotify wants to buy this podcast, we could pull our money to buy Culture Code and the Omni Group and smush them together. <laughs> it's, like, it's like now kiss. You know the meme? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh uh, I don't know. What will happen first? OmniFocus looks like things or things gains advanced features like OmniFocus? Neither uh, of those things are going to happen. No. You have to yeah. like, which one is going to get closer? And honestly, I, at this point, I'm more likely to believe OmniFocus to get a new UI that is nice to like across everything than for things to change its underlying mm. structure because I feel like OmniFocus has taken more of those steps than Things has. Like genuinely, like OmniFocus on the iPhone, I like it. Like it's got some stuff that I would want to change, but it's gotten better. Where I feel like Things has gotten more beautiful, but is still dealing with these like fundamentally I mean, still, weird bad they, issues. They still have 
that thing with the with the repeating tasks. Yes, yeah, that you can only check them off on the day that they're set to repeat. <laughs> and it's still not fixed. They oh. have acknowledged that it is something that needs to be fixed, but haven't well, done it. Yeah, and that's yeah, this what, is like I don't I, get it. Yeah, this is like I I needed I acknowledged two years ago that I needed to work out more. It's like <laughs> yeah, I acknowledged it. <laughs> <laughs> what more do you want? <laughs> Um, but the thing is, things looks really nice, and every time it's I look beautiful. at it, and then I remember how you can swipe down and to open search. It's got all those fancy things, and it's it's beautiful. Yep, I use it once or twice a month, and every time I because I have uh, whenever I post an episode of Cortex, I have a shortcut that throws a list of like thirty items into things. Right, because I, I remember you explaining this right. to me. Yes, because yes. I don't want these tasks in OmniFocus because now I have thirty random tasks in OmniFocus, and I just have one task in OmniFocus which I check off, which is post cortex. But then there is a list of tiny tasks that I want to make sure I've done correct, which is a list that just seems to keep growing over time, and it's to make sure that I post everything just right because it's much more complicated than my other shows, and I only really do it once every four weeks or six. Weeks weeks or whatever so i want to make sure i get it just right so i have a shortcut that has a list of tasks that all get put in things and they've all got headers and all that stuff and it's just so beautiful and so satisfying It, it is a satisfying app yes i just really wished that it it worked the way i work and it and it just doesn't but like it it wouldn't need like it really wouldn't need much like Two things that I would really appreciate would be the repeating task fix mm-hmm. and the rich link uh, previews. Which, by the way, I wanted to clarify, the rich links are a, an open API. It's the link presentation framework, and every developer can use it. Uh, it's just that the way the reminders implements it, uh, it's a, I think it's not it's exposed by default in, in, in the event kit framework. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, things with... Uh, repeating tasks that you can check off whenever and rich links instead of raw URLs and I will probably consider it again because it's got everything else right yeah it, it could do with some, with some tidying up like they they there's too many containers for tasks you know oh yeah the areas yeah. I never fully understood I, I think they'd tidy some of that up I think they also could do with just some general refinement into uh, just just adding due dates and stuff. Um, I think they're trying to be a little bit too clever about the don't, way that... Don't you that, have due dates and things? You do, but like, you know, there's like the whole like today and like someday, like just, you know... Ah, uh, someday, like the yeah. s- someday I never... I don't understand. Like, uh, what is someday? Just delete the task. You're never going to do it. Or don't put a date, like keeping in your notes app or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not... a I don't know, tasks for me are things I'm going to do on a specific day. And I know that, like, you and I think similarly of this. Like, mm-hmm. each task has a date. Yeah, Otherwise, because it's not a task. It, no, you, it's just an idea. <laughs> yes. <Right? laughs> yeah, I mean, yes. You can uh, change the date, but just set a date. I do not enter a task. Like, I don't understand inbox. But, you know? Ooh, like, I never people use that inboxes. use the inbox. 
just add a date. You've already read it, Ian. Just add a date. Change the date if you want to. But like the idea of just like throwing things into an inbox and then going to them later and adding a date to them, it just doesn't work for me. And I know like it works with people. I know so many people that work this way. I just can't fathom it. Like how much longer does it take to add a, just any date? Just like set it for next week or something. So like whatever. I have a theory. Okay. I wonder if the whole inbox thing, and if you think about it, at least a good portion of the whole GTD methodology around the inbox. I wonder if the inbox was merely a byproduct of old technolo- technology like limitations at the no, time. All, no, Federica, all of this is a byproduct of physical note cards. But like when task managers, like when they, you know, when the physical note cards become digital task managers i wonder if the inbox stuck around because it was not possible at the time to have for example features like extensions saving your tasks into a specific project or into like it wasn't possible to have a share extension with a list picker or it wasn't possible to have a digital assistant with support for saving your task into a specific list. And so developers came up with this approach where it's really simple. You just create a task and it goes into this inbox and then you got to open the app later and process your inbox. But like, like inbox in software though, it, I mean, it was in, it's been an OmniFocus forever. It predates any type of iPhone or anything. Yeah. I just think it's just a case of like following that methodology, the GTD methodology too closely. But it, again, let's riff off uh, the, the connected episode that we did about this. If, you, if the task manager didn't exist today, mm-hmm. and if you're like, if Mike Hurley is inventing the very first task manager in 2021 with the, with the technology available right now, does the inbox exist? No. Right? Just put it somewhere. Yeah. Even if you're not going to put a date on it, put it somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I just I fundamentally think that the inbox is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Remember, like, pick- we said at the start of the show the best way to send in feedback for this episode is to go to relay.fm/connected <laughs> and there's a button which says to to contact us and it sends an email. That is 100% categorically the very best way to send your opinions to yeah, us. Yeah, Stephen loves episode. it because Stephen will love it. He can't wait. If you think about it, like if you have something in your brain. Mm. Like you're keeping something in your brain for something that you gotta do. You always associate that something with an area of your life, right? You don't have in your brain this gray area of the inbox. Like, what is the equivalent of the inbox in your brain? You either you have you have things that you gotta do at home or at the office. You have things that you gotta do for your family. Each of the things that you got to do has an association with an area of your life or a time of your day, right? You don't have that sort of unlabeled area of, oh, there's something I need to do, but I don't exactly know why I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. It's like, what would be the equivalent of an inbox being in your brain? Nothing. And I I know like people say, like, it's just so you can quickly enter stuff. 
it doesn't take sure. that much time to it, add any right. other type of information to these right. tasks, right? Yes. Like it, it really doesn't. It's like, look, we're saying that we love dates, but even if you don't add dates, even if you add a tag or a project, like it's not that much more mental energy. Like, how quickly do you need to get these ideas out? Like, Especially I couldn't even right possibly now. wait for a second no. longer. <laughs> Uh, I now need to sit down and enter a date. I mean, it's not a job. It takes like two seconds. Mm-hmm. Everything has got natural language now uh, and uh, input. And but again, if you do this and you're thinking that we're wild, I mean, not only should you send us the email feedback as requested, <laughs> just understand that like we don't, we're talking here about like I how mean, our brains perceive this type of stuff. I mean, look. You know, it's the two of us, and we gotta do a show. And at at some point, we gotta be controversial about something, yeah. right? Otherwise, why would you even listen? I mean, <laughs> if you listen to, I mean, nobody likes when you're like, you know, I listen to this podcast and I agree with I agree them with all everything. the time. Yeah, it's like, it's just then just talk to yourself or something. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, at some point, you gotta have the spice in it. You know, mm-hmm. you gotta have something, something spicy, and this is the spice. The inbox is the spice. So. <laughs> This episode of Connected is brought to you by privacy.com. Look, we've all done the thing where we buy something online from a website, and you're like, I'm going to give you my credit card number, but I am scared to do so. Well, privacy is a tool that makes it easy to manage your financial life online while keeping your most important information secure. See, it generates virtual numbers that mask your bank information, so you never have to worry about giving it out to people that you don't know online. We've all been through the situation where your debit card or credit card number is stolen. Maybe they've spent a bunch of money on it. You've got to work all that out with your bank. It's a real pain. My wife and I have gone through this several times over the years. And privacy.com means that you're protected from that type of activity while you shop online. So take back control of your payments. Decide who can charge your card, how much and how often. And you can close a card at any time. Plus, you can make sure you're never accidentally billed twice or upgraded to another service without your consent. Privacy.com is partnered with our friends over at 1Password, so you can create, use, and save privacy cards directly within the 1Password application. Cards created in 1Password have the same security benefits as other privacy cards, so you can set spending limits, create single-use or merchant lock cards whenever you want. So head over to privacy.com slash connected to sign up for an account. New customers will automatically get $5 to spend on their first purchase. That's privacy.com slash connected, five bucks for your first purchase after you sign up. Our thanks to Privacy and their support of this show and Relay FM. WWDC 2021. It's happening June 7 to 11. In San, no, Wait, it's on. It's online. Isn't Seven Eleven like a thing? Uh, yeah, it's like a convenience store, right? Mm. But I don't think it's got anything to do with it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't read too much into that. There's a lot of stuff to read into that I don't think this is one of those things. Okay. So, uh, as expected, I mean, obviously, this one was um, announced a bit later than normal because there is no need to do anything. It's. It feels. It feels kind of strange to me, like. WWDC was announced, and I was like, okay, I added it to my calendar and did nothing else. I'm still not used to that, because uh, usually yeah. WWDC gets announced, and then me and you need to get on the phone together, and we need to start booking. You know, it's like it oh, doesn't man. happen anymore. I All online. doing that. 
all online. It's okay. Mm. It this definitely isn't ever going to happen again. But we'll have other events that we can go to together. Uh, Wait, what? <laughs> no, don't my, say that. My theory. I don't think. Look, we can get no. to this another time. I don't think that it's coming mm-hmm. back to in no. person. But mm-hmm. June 7 to 11, all online. Susan Prescott, who is the new Vice President of Worldwide Developer Relations and Enterprise and Education Marketing. By the way, huge job title. So Susan Prescott is just took over uh, developer relations. I think this was a story that was reported on recently. Um, but I think Prescott had other tasks and they've just mushed them together so susan prescott is the vice president of worldwide developer relations and enterprise and education marketing Uh, susan said we are working to make wwdc 21 our biggest and best yet and are excited to offer apple developers new tools to support them as they create apps that change the way we live work and play i just want to give you one one of my little things as to why i think there is a there is a possibility of no wwdc in the future there is not a word in this press release which is talking about in person. There is no no words about like, well, we can't be together this year. None of that, right? All it talks about is how successful last year's was and how this one's going to be bigger and better. So anyway, this is not a conversation for today. It, it was my favorite time of the year. It's like they took Christmas away from me. Well, nobody's taken anything away from you yet. No, you're saying that they're never going to have a physical WWDC again. And that would be horrible. Well, at most it will be, I think, severely shrunken down because they want to... Ex- Look, because this the, the online stuff has gone so well and they seem to be suggesting they are going to be doing more this year for the online stuff. Right. considering the response that they keep getting to it, I think it's difficult to then be like, you remember how we spoke about it being the most inclusive? Now we're going back to, this is only good if you can be here. I think it's going to be tricky. I don't know how they're going to get back from it, and that's why I think, but we'll find out. Anyway, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about other things. So the developer app has been updated as well. It's got some new functionality. It looks like it's better on iPad. I'm sure you're happy about that. Yep. Like put the nav. Look what is it, the sidebar is in there. Sidebar. Nice. Using, it shows you more stuff on the homepage. It's really nice. Um, the artwork. I enjoyed it very much because it's uh, the Federighi meme of the MacBook. Yes. But all right, everyone's talking about the fact that they're all wearing glasses. So you, you kind of can't avoid the AR glasses thing from this. And you've got to not be sure that whoever designed this artwork knew that. This would be a thing, right? Like, there's a whole other conversation as to whether Apple actually do bother to theme this stuff. Um, but you you know if you're going down this route, if every single one of the Memoji and all of the variations are all wearing glasses, like, I know it's to, to show the, like, mm-hmm. the, what they're showing with the artwork, which is applications reflecting off of them. But nevertheless, everyone's now going to talk about, like, is this going to be the year where they show off AR glasses? Do you think that at WWDC 2021 we get anything about Apple's AR products? Well, I don't think we get the glasses. It's definitely not glasses, right? Because what we know is first is a headset. But a headset is clearly the precursor. And I think even when Apple talk about the headset, I think they will talk about it as a first step in this, like, thing, right? 
I feel like it's going to be spoken about as like, here is the first product we're doing in this idea or whatever. They're not going to say, oh, we're going to have glasses in a couple of years' time, I would assume. But I could imagine them, whenever they do start talking about this stuff, start talking about it as like a new technology that they're working on. But do you think we would get anything? I don't think we'll get any... Oh, this will age poorly, I'm sure. I don't think we'll get any hardware at WWDC. I think we'll get a new version of AR kit. I could see Apple doing something more on the software side with something like a dedicated AR app on your iPhone. Like I could see Apple maybe in the future split up the App Store and have a dedicated AR App Store that is just for AR experiences. I could see that sort of stuff. Um, I would be skeptical about it because we've seen how those separate app stores have <laughs> gone with the with the watch and and, and with the iMessage mm-hmm. app store. But I think I they can see... only do something like that if they're saying because we have this product launching later on in the year. Yeah, but also is the headset ready? That's the question. Well, but it could be six months away and it'd be fine. So you're thinking they could do a preview at WWDC? Well, no. So here's what I'm going to say. I think they will do a preview, but I do not think it's a WWDC. Hmm. I think they're going to have a separate event like they did for the Apple Watch. That's what I think they're going to do. Like, I think they should do that. I think it should be... Def- uh, it's going to be the first the first product in a new category of devices, and I think mm-hmm. it, like it shouldn't be part of WWDC. I know why re- you would, like, or why people suggest it, because obviously they're going to need developer buy-in. Exactly. But yes. you can do that at any point, right? As long as you give them a six to eight month like lead time, right? I, I guess what's kind of strange is when they did the transition to, to Apple Silicon, they explained to developers exactly what was going to happen to the software platform. Now, hardware initially wasn't mentioned. And then the following year, they did the, what's it called, the developer mm-hmm. transition kit. Um, but in this case, how much can you explain to developers about the software platform without explicitly saying, oh, there's going to be a headset. But I think How they much can, can you? The only mm. reason they, didn't talk about hard- they don't talk about hardware is when they have other hardware that is going to be killed by the new hardware, right? Like the Apple Watch, they showed off the Apple Watch hardware six months before, did the same with the iPhone, same with the iPad. Like you can, They could show off, if they have a product that they're launching later on in the year and they want to show you the developer kit, they'll show you the hardware. Like this is what we're working on. I don't. That, it's, but I think that that's not. Personally, I just think they're not going to do it at WWC. I think they'll like, do it before or after. Like, but I think that they will want to give it its own stage. I think. I mean, personally, I even wonder if they're going to do it this year at all. I don't know. I don't know. Because if the headset is not launching until twenty twenty two. I guess I, it depends on how long a lead time you want to have for depends developers. how complicated it is, I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the dates of June 7 to 11, I yes. assume they make you feel better from the reviewing standpoint. 
Yes, yes. Back to an early June schedule uh, makes me makes me feel a lot better compared to last year when WWC started on June 22. So yeah, I feel a lot better. Uh, it's also nice because it gives me like this deadline for all the things that we're doing at Mac Stories. Now we know that when we have to be ready for, with those things because right, you're doing some stuff that you want to all be done before I, wwdc right? i want to make sure that it launches before wwdc yes for sure well, i guess for your for your work split it has to right because once wwdc starts you're in review mode so exactly you can't be working on anything else well the things that that we are doing i will have to adjust let's say my presence mm-hmm. uh over like i i will not be able to fully disappear again but that's like a thing that I wanted to do anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm feeling a lot better. And uh, especially given like last year was, was weird and, and difficult in a, in, in a lot of ways for me in, throughout the whole summer. And it took me, um, I, I haven't really talked about it publicly, but like it took me months to recover from from those things. And I'm feeling like now, if you see my name, my byline more often on Mac stories, it's because I'm feeling a lot better. And it's because I'm feeling the itch to write again, finally, uh, and to try stuff. But last year, especially the second half and, you know, and going up until a few weeks ago was super weird and, you know, challenging. but. Now, I've, I'm feeling very good about these dates, and I am thinking that given the dates, given my current mood, I don't want to wait a month until the new version of iOS has released to publish my review. Like, I, I kind of want, I know that we talked about this before, yep. and I said, oh, it's nice that, that I published whenever I wanted to publish, and people st- still paid attention. No, I mean, I kind of ignored everything you were saying and knew that you would, if given the chance, would publish on, just, review, so on launch day if you me. could. You knew I was going to change my mind. Yeah, because it, call. You, it is the best time to do it. You had a great success with it, but you were always going to. But if you could choose between launch day or not, you would always choose launch day. Yeah. Like, Why wouldn't you? Yeah. So that's your plan then, right? Your, your plan will be start on June 8th, or June 7, and publish in September, whatever, when iOS comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so. I think so. I, I already talked about it with Sylvia. Um, this, this, this thing obviously affects like our plans in the summer, but who knows what our plans this summer will be. We don't even know if we will be able to get vaccinated before September. So, mm-hmm. um, who knows? But I like the idea of going back to, uh, you know, start working on the review june 12 and publish three months later in mid-september because now i also like last year taught me a very important lesson that no matter what not even a pandemic stopped apple from releasing a new version of ios in Mm mid-september so if the pandemic didn't stop him last year it's never gonna stop him again so i know this thing is launching in september they don't care like Remember last year, they released the GM version of iOS the day before the public launch. And everybody was upset. But that taught me how it doesn't matter how close they are cutting it to their mid-September deadline, they are going to do it. And therefore, it means 
my deadline is in mid-September and it's not changing. So I think I can make it happen. I think I can go back to the usual schedule of a few years ago. And uh, also, I I didn't really like stretching my work all the way to October. You know, the extra th- that extra month of work was also responsible for my problems. I didn't really like it. I mean, it was necessary, but it, you it's know, too long. three months. You're working it's for too long. long. Four months is too long. Three months is enough. Yeah, because <laughs> up until WWDC was just a lot of fretting and trying to get ready, right? Yeah. And so you're in the mode. But this time having it start earlier, I mean, I'm happy that it's starting earlier. It's just going to yeah. be a better flow through the year. It's the flow that I'm used to. It's the flow we're all used yeah. to. We built, yes. you know, everything's built around it being the this process. And so I'm happy about it. I know like already I'm, I'm like, okay, so I know during WWC week this year, I'm going to move everything because last year I didn't. I tried to keep my regular schedule and add WWC on top of it, which is a nightmare. So for me personally, it's obviously I'm not dealing with anything like you are, but like, uh, you know, we've done this once, so we're ready to do it again, I feel like. So mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. It it it's um, it brings back that sense of normalcy, you know, mm-hmm. at least for me to to go to see WWDC in early June, and now there's a rumor of a spring event, and then it's WWDC time, and then I know it's coming out in September. I like it, even though things are not normal, especially over here in Italy, they're not normal right now. No, but at least this thing is something that makes me feel. It's it's familiar, and so it feels nice. Do you think there's going to be a, an event? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think so too. I think that, you know, we, we were talking about 14.5 earlier. I don't think that that's coming out until there's new products, and I think that they will have an event to show them off. So you've been I working right. on the 14.5 story, haven't you? Yes, I have this beautiful 7,000 words about iOS 14.5 and iPadOS, of course. Mm-hmm. Probably going to be a little more, given that I got to cover the Siri changes. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's sort of like a nice mini review of a of a new version of iOS. It's like a chapter from 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 an, a full iOS review. And there's going to be lots of screenshots, lots of images, lots of uh, comparisons between before and after. You know the whole thing. Um, it was fun to 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 write that kind of uh, in-depth story again. So I will take the extra time to edit it. Beta 6 came out today, so I know that, you know, I told you John Voorhees uh, has been teasing me these past few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been, been threatening me with the idea of iOS 14.5 is going to come out tomorrow morning and you're not ready. More like one true meanie. <laughs> Yes, uh, but no. It's uh, I. I the fact that we got beta six today makes me feel good about the rest of the week, which means that I can take the next few days editing the story, taking screenshots, and then if it com- comes out Monday, I should be fine. But I don't think it will come out Monday. I think that does it, Federico. Yeah, I think so too. All right, if you would like to get in touch with us, don't forget, relay.fm slash connected. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you we can s- send an email there. While you're there, you can also sign up for Connected Pro, which is a longer ad-free 
episodes of Connected every single week. If you'd like to find Federico online, go to maxstories.net, and he is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and Stephen is at ISMH on Twitter. But f- don't forget, he loves email. I am going to ask you a question, Mike. Oh, great. Keeping up with the tradition. Because the last time Steve wasn't here, I flipped the roles and I asked you the question. So I think, let's say, I want to I wanna ask you something about your, your job. Oh. Uh, my question for you, Mike, is if you could change one thing oh, God. about your job, what would, what would it be? I feel like I have too many things on my calendar. Hmm. So I was well, it's either lots of recordings in the same intervals or lots of meetings and stuff. Hmm. And so sometimes I look at my calendar and I'm like, oh man, look how much stuff is on this calendar. I think I would like to have more kind of unstructured time hmm. in my calendar. I think that's the biggest thing that I would, would like. To have fewer things that are all gonna happen at set times. I think I would I think I would prefer that. A little a little bit less the kind of rigid structure. Mm. in my calendar because even though it's not like an overabundance of things it's not like i'm back-to-back meetings all the time constantly but having all of those things there feel like i have too much mental load rather Mm. than actual time load Mm. and i just think that's just like a thing that i've been trying to think about recently as to how i could change that to to reduce the amount of stuff that i have on my calendar Mm. Steven, you hear that? Your boy wants fewer Zoom calls. Few. Uh, to be fair, we're actually pretty good on each other with that. We have w- me and Steven only have one call on Mondays. Oh, that's that's nice. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. And then everything else is just dealt with via text and Slack. Yeah. But we have our we have our Monday morning stand up as it's Ooh, called. So fancy. And then that usually dovetails into recording either backstage or ungeniused as yeah. well. So like every every couple of weeks we'll do one of those, but then every other like in the off weeks it's just that meeting. But I would like less stuff on my calendar. That's what I would change if I could. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Connected. Uh until next time, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Before you go, it's me, your friend Steven again. I'm not on the show this week, but I want to tell you about another show on relay that I think you're really going to enjoy, and that's top four. Tiff and Marco can make a top four list out of anything. If you just look through the archives of this show, they have ranked some amazing things like different brands of bottle of water and hot and cold Starbucks drinks and lettuces. It's not all food, but the food ones are my favorite. It is delightful and infuriating all at the same time. So you can check it out at relay.fm slash top four. Or search for Top 4 wherever you get your podcast. And I'll see you next week.